Hey guys, my name is Brett Ferguson, and I'm a current student at the University of South Carolina, where I'll be graduating in May 2020. Welcome to episode nine of the Struggle to Sovereignty podcast. Uh, this is a super exciting edition, guys. We're growing so much at such a rapid pace that I am so blessed from five months ago, from starting this community to now being able to have our own studio where we're recording in the Garnet Media section of the University of South Carolina. We're so incredibly blessed to have this opportunity and this partnership. And now going forward, we're going to bring a lot more content to you guys, and I'm looking forward to it. Let's talk about episode eight for a second. So Caleb Gipple was an incredible individual. He just understands and has an idea of, of motivation and being able to accomplish goals no matter what landmarks or obstacles or ways of thinking are that are in your way he doesn't let his own self-defining limitations affect his personal life and affect him as a person he went out there he spoke at ted talks he's traveled all across the country speaking at public speaking events met people from the universities of ivy league schools of yale princeton i mean you name it and he's spoken with them and he's really had these unbelievable situations to where he's been able to articulate himself in such an appropriate way Enough of episode eight. We're on to episode nine now. So episode nine, uh, I've been talking to this individual for probably about a month and a half, two months, if that. Yeah, I'd say like probably a month and a half. Yeah, a month and a half. Yeah. So let me give you a little bit of background. So Phil, he right now is a senior at the University of South Carolina. There aren't many people that I can meet at a pre-interview. For example, we were at Starbucks. We had this conversation. And we came up and shook each other's hand, and we immediately had this connection of, wow, like, I appreciate what you do, and you appreciate what I do. Yeah. Um, we both had this idea of constantly looking to improve as people and constantly wanting to be better men. What way can I be a father in the future that impacts millions and millions of people? And what ways can I right now build a foundation to start that? It's incredible, guys. Phil has this idea of not allowing extrinsic or intrinsic factors to affect the way he does things. He thinks things very methodically. He enjoys the process of achieving a goal. So right now, it is my absolute pleasure for Phil Godwin to be joining me today. Thanks Phil, for how me, you man. doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little nervous. I'm not really uh, much of a camera guy, <laughs> much of a recording. I was always the cameraman whenever we did like shows or anything, or yeah. projects in school. But this is really cool. I love uh, pushing myself in, I guess, really articulate ways. Is yeah, way stepping out of the comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely uh, that. So. Trust me, dude. Like, I mean, if you listen to episode one to now, <laughs> you can tell the, uh, the nervous you, shakes. Right? Yeah. I've <laughs> gone away a little bit. Yeah, um, and it's developed into something really cool. So, Phil, kind of expand upon yourself. Tell about yourself. Let everybody kind of understand who you are. Uh, so, I'm from Raleigh. Well, from Cary, North Carolina. I like to say Raleigh because not many people know where Cary is. But it's just yeah. a town right outside of Raleigh. Its population is actually bigger than Columbia, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I grew up. I have three brothers. You know, mom, dad. I have a great family back home. Uh, you know, and, and ever whenever I was growing up, I just loved – I just loved to work hard, yeah. whatever it was, even if I was bad at it. You know, I was always the last kid getting picked for gym sports, or I always had a, to put extra work in to study for my classes and stuff. But I really, like you said, you know, I, I love saying the process to me. Um, it could be cliche, but it is true. It you is hundred percent. I love, I love the risk, and I love the, I love the stress that comes with it, yeah. which is kind of a double-edged sword at some points. Um, but that's something that you and I talked about a lot. Yeah. So we talked about. Um, 
uh, there's an idea. So I had a blog post I wrote probably three, four months ago, um, and it talked about what is your motivation, the process, or the product. Th there isn't a right answer. Like there, are, for example, like Odell Beckham Jr. You look at him; he's a product guy, oh, yeah. like a very product guy. He loves being flashy, showing off, doing these things. He wants you to let he wants everybody to know that he's achieved the mountaintop. Oh, it gives him energy. That's yeah. what, that's what makes him so powerful as a receiver. Exactly. Being a product. He guy. he's being a product guy. He's product oriented. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to be with a good organization. He wants to do those type of things, and I think that's so interesting. Because I am such a process guy like yourself. Yeah. So we, we relate on that level where it's like I enjoy the process of things because I love it when it's hard. Because, oh, yeah. like, that's the fun in it. Like, well, I, I, if, if everything was e easy all the time, none of us no one of us would give a shit, to be honest. Yeah, like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really be uh, – I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't like the struggle of things. And, yeah. You know, like the, the hurt of – I don't want to call it failure, but the temporary miss-success, yeah. I guess is a good way to put it, too. I think this is a good segue – Let's talk about your like past life before okay. before you started running, and we'll get into like what wh how you compete yeah. and like your running style and the way you've trained throughout college and what that. So let's tell a, bit, a little bit about your story so everybody kind of gets a little bit more in depth meaning on who Phil Godwin is. Okay, so when good point to start. I grew up uh, like I said with a great family, but I was always the bigger kid. You know, I, I was a little chubbier as a little kid, um, always the slowest one in school, uh, and I ended up you know trying to get rid of the chumminess a couple times, you know, yeah. but it eventually just ended up snowballing into me topping off at 261 pounds at uh, 18 years old. And having that, having that hardworking mentality was kind of uh, hypocritical to me yeah. at that point because I looked at myself in the mirror and I wasn't happy with what I looked like. I wasn't happy with what I felt. I was, you know, borderline type 2 diabetic. Every time I went to the doctor's office, my mom actually told me this last week, the doctor wouldn't do the BMI test on me because he didn't want me to feel bad about myself. Wow. Uh, so that's kind of where I was yeah. at. And, you know, and every time I went, you know, I always told him and uh, people would ask, like, are you going to lose the weight? I was like, yeah, like, I'm going to do it. Like, no doubt in my mind I'm going to do it. But what's funny about that is that I was lying to them at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried losing weight twice up until it worked finally. And the reason why it didn't work is because I was motivated by the, I would say the wrong things. Yeah. I was motivated by being physically attractive. I was motivated by, you know, uh, being the fastest kid or being looked at as some sort of quote alpha male. Can I ask you, did yeah. you, did you look at it like what everybody else's view on you was? And that's what your motivation yeah, was yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I was, I was kind of tired of, um, I don't know the right way to put it. I was, I was tired of being a loser in everyone else's eyes. Yeah. That's kind of a good way to put it. Yeah. Is I was tired of being looked at as, Oh, he's innocent because he's weak. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, that's, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. I, I felt weak. And, um, you know what, what ended up happening and we talked about this before too, is I had, uh, at the same time, um, before I topped off at 261, I was a junior in high school, you know, still probably around the two fifties right. and I was strength training for high school football pretty hard. And, um, I ended up blowing my back out. I was doing a front squat and I just threw off my SI joint yeah. and I kept squatting weeks in advance and I ended up herniating a disc in my L4, uh, or no, L5S1. Yeah. Um, and after I went to the doctor, because I, I kept telling my parents, like, I need to go to the doctor, like, I know something's wrong, and eventually they turned, and uh, they told me that not only did I have that, the herniation, mm -hmm. and I also have a condition called sacralization in my low back, which is where my sacrum tries to create a bone with my uh, lumbar <laughs> spine, <laughs> which is, and it's not, you know, it's not like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say it's like, 
being disabled. Uh, right. Obviously, I'm a very active and very able person, but it does create some creates that uh, barrier. Yeah, it creates a barrier. Some abnormalities that I have to deal with. I have constant inflammation in my low back. It's something I'm gonna have to deal with the rest of my life. Uh, it increases my sciatica at times, depending on the elevation. And on top of that, I'm missing a third of my collarbone on both sides. So that also causes some shoulder mobility issues. So when it comes to bench pressing or working out in that aspect, I have to be extra careful. Um, Let me ask you, how much were you weighing at this time? Uh, two six. I. When I blew my back out, I'd say 250, but I topped off at 261, and I still had these issues. You know, I could still uh, – the back pain got so bad when one day I couldn't sit in a chair, um, and I wasn't able to sit in a chair for months on end. Yeah. I couldn't drive a car. I wasn't able to use my driver's license. Uh, I had to take prescription-grade drugs to sleep at night, um, and, and that was really tough. You know, yeah. being – and the hardest part of that was going back to being looked at like a loser. Yeah. Because instead of being looked at like one, I felt like one, too. Yeah. Because you felt disabled. I felt you I felt disabled, yeah. and I couldn't I couldn't you know like when you tear your ACL. Yep. Uh, you can see that. You can see on an MRI that there's an ACL tear. You mm -hmm. know the symptoms. You know how long it's going to take. Nine months to get. There's back. a recovery date. There's recovery a timeline date. to it, right? You know when it's, it's there's a means to an end with it. And right? there's a cast. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Is that there's a physical cast that you can see on someone's leg, saying, "Oh, okay, I can see he's disabled." Yeah. For me, there was there was nothing. You know, I I got told a lot of times that I was faking it. I got told a lot of times that I was just trying to get out of playing ball that fall. Um, and that was the hardest part of it. it. It was the fact that I wanted to be, quote, normal again. Yeah. Um, just so I could participate in daily activities so I could fit back into society. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes, it takes your nerves, I believe, four times longer than muscles to heal. So after I fixed my musculoskeletal injuries, because after you blow your back out, that nerve gets shot, your yeah. sciatic nerve, um, your muscles all tighten up, your adductors, your quads, everything. Mm -hmm. After I fixed those, I've still been having to deal with back pain ever since then. I have sciatica to this day. Still to this day, right? Yeah. yeah, I have it right now. Mm -hmm. But I'm used to it, and I can deal with it. But the hardest part of it is that I couldn't show anybody. Right. You know, I couldn't be like, this is what it feels like, because you can't. The only people who understand are those who've dealt with it. And it's a larger population than you might think. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I've definitely heard of sciatica issues. Like, I believe my dad, my dad even to this day, like – and it doesn't it normally happen with older individuals? Yeah, yeah. it normally happens with either pregnant women or uh, men over the age of, I'd say, 35, that, 40. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk about Christmas 2015. Yeah. That was a, that was a big day. That was a big day for uh, you, wasn't big, it? Big, big eating day, man. I had a lot of carrot cake. Yeah. So it was really fun. Um, so, that was the last day that I was – I was kinda, I was tired. I was pissed off. Um, I was like, I need to start. And I told myself I was going to do it. You know, I had I'd proved myself in other aspects of my life to where, you know, I could bear down and I could hustle in some right, aspects. Yeah. But this was different. This was like I've already failed twice before. Mm -hmm. I've already tried to lose weight, and I've gained it right back. And I've tried to do it in unhealthy ways, and I've done it for the wrong reasons. Um, so at Christmas 2015, we always go to my uncle's house. Uh, and we always have beef tenderloin, and it's a great time with family. Tons mm -hmm. of rolls. Um, lots of rolls. Man. Just fat, <laughs> just fat boy oh, central. Dude, right? It's, it's incredible. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And a uh, carrot cake is actually. It was at the time my favorite cake, mm -hmm. and now it's it's second to German chocolate. Okay. Um, just in case anyone was. I love, dude. I love German chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, so I, I ate as much as I possibly could, and I and I get home, and I I remember to I will never forget. I was standing in my bathroom with my shirt off, looking in the mirror, and I was like, "All right, man. Like, let's let's." let's finally do this. Like, let's give this, it was not even give it a shot. Like like, a, it was a flip done. of a switch. It was a flip of a switch. Yeah. It, was, it was so instinctual to where I didn't even have to convince myself. Yeah. The next day I was going to the store and figuring it out. 
you know, talking about um, researching, like you like something yeah. you talked about w- in our pre-interview. Yeah, F- Phil talked a lot about like. So, like I said, we had this conversation at Starbucks that I thought was going to run for, like, 30, maybe 30 minutes. We were there for for two hours. hours, Yeah, like, two hours just talking. And we talked about that, and one one of the big things he stressed was research. Research. And that's something people, like, for example, we had the conversation, like, so we're both in fraternities here. Um, We have a bunch of always people reaching out to us about workout advice, right, all the time. And it'll be like, hey, Brett, I want a workout program. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, great. I don't care what you want to do. It's, what, first off, what you will do. And second, how much research you'll put behind it. It's what you need to do. Yeah. It's, it's what you need to do. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Because it's the hard stuff. You have, to, you have to know the means to an end. Mm-hmm. You can't just sit there and be like, ah, somebody else will figure it out for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. I don't know. I don't know your training regimen. I don't know the tr- your, like. I understand your training style as like a whole, yeah. but I don't understand the integral parts of it. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what your program's like. I don't know. I don't know if you're running right now. If you're running an endurance program, if you're running a strength program, if you're working isometrics, if you're working eccentrics. I'm doing nothing right now. Right. But. Well, right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we'll I know get. What the, you mean though? Yeah. Right. Like, what's the integral steps into yours, and like, what works the best for your body? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the hardest part about figuring it out. Yeah. I mean, especially for me. So. So um, going back to losing the weight, uh, I had to research ways that I could exercise without flaring up my back. Mm-hmm. And what I found out was there was a risk and reward to each exercise that I did based off of how much it would flare up my back pain yeah. more and how much I could bear it. And um, what I realized was that I wasn't progressing as fast as I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I did that research and I looked at it and I ended up thinking like, okay, like I know what I can do. But I need to try and do more. I need to push myself past mm-hmm. this like tangible barrier. Yeah. Um. So so the thing with the research that I've also realized is like you can do as much research as you can, but you've got to push that barrier too. Like you can't just let you can't let the the PhDs, you can't let the doctorates, you can't let them tell you like this is your only option. Right. But while it's it, but it's still very important. You still need to know what you're going into beforehand. Yeah. So I I mean I was going out. And I was still like 200. I, had, I was probably like 240 at this point. I'd lost like 20 pounds. I was going out running three miles a day, um, and the run would be extremely painful. But once I got past one mile, my legs would warm up and the blood would flow, and yep. the pain would go away. Mm-hmm. But I knew that first mile was really, really important and really painful. But once I got past that, the next two were great, and I moved forward in my weight loss plan. Mm-hmm. So the research, researching like, okay, like blood flow increasing to my muscles will – decrease the pain because it'll increase oxygen uptake really really motivated me to say okay i can deal with this pain for seven yep. not even seven minutes like nine minutes i was like i can deal with this for now just so i can prosper down the road yeah and continue my road to getting back to where i wanted to be i think that's like you hear about that a lot and working out and i and you know we're talking a lot about working out but th- a lot of these values translate directly into human life like mm-hmm. into regular life right oh, yeah. so things that hurt Pain is so temporary, it's crazy. Like, and that's something I've realized, like, in uh, in and out throughout my life. Like, I was so hurt whenever I had to stop playing football. Like, whenever I stopped playing football, that took everything out of me. That pain, though, was so temporary. Yeah. Because, I, I, like, I'm a big believer in Christianity. So, I, I have a thought that God always has a plan for me. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, like there, is, there is a path that God is taking me on if I want to go on it or not. If I'm ignorant to say no and I don't want to do that, that's one thing. But I know God has a plan for me, and I know that God, in some way, I'm going to be successful impacting some person, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting that 
you say that just about the mile. Like you run one mile out of three, and the it's weird. The first mile is the most painful one. You would think it would that be the last. Stinks. I hate that. Mile. You would you would think it would be the last yeah. mile that would be the hardest part, even right? Now I hate that mile because yeah. it's everything leading up to that mile that stinks. Yeah. It's not even the running itself. It's 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 the putting on your shoes. It's the knowing like God, I'm about to sweat and make these clothes all gross. It's oh, I have to go and shower after this. It's it's thinking about that. It's not being in the moment. It's, it's, it's the, the process it's of the process. running. Yeah. It's like and and so I talked to um, episode I believe it was six. Talked to Mario in a fall guys worth millions and millions and millions of dollars he was more of like a business-minded guy i want to bring on because i like enjoy a really large variety of people and he talked about it and he was saying one thing that i have realized throughout everything first take a step he's like everything needs to you need to start off your life in steps and i think it's a really interesting way to think he's like Mm -hmm. and i and again i wrote another blog post on this actually about like taking steps and like being able to just like take one step First step, for example, for me, the hardest part about me going to the gym and strength training, getting in my car. Oh, yeah. Getting in my car is the hardest part, hands down, every time. For me, it's getting out of bed. That's yeah. the hardest thing. Yeah. It's just like, a, it's just like you just, just go. Just yeah. do it. Just flip the switch. That's I, the hardest thing to do. So something I do, it's weird. I'll like hold my breath, I'll be, and I'll count to three. And I'll just like explode up out of bed. Do you do the three, two, one blast? Yeah, one? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I've yeah, yeah. that working for. A while. I mean, it's like it works. Like yeah. it, it, like it keeps me going. Like and it keeps me available to get up and go do this thing, right? Um, so and you know, and all that's really interesting. Um, as like I just think that it's so weird that the first mile is the hardest one. Oh yeah, even, I, like I said, like, even yeah. now, man. Like yeah, I mean, la- on Saturday, like the. The first mile, it's not that it was the hardest, it was like the, oh man. Yeah. Like you're looking at, you're look, not even a horizon, I wouldn't say, you're, you're looking at this storm coming at you. Right. And running in the rain, like metaphorically, running in the rain is actually really fun. But yeah. But when you're about to do it, you're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, this, yeah. But when you're in the trenches, man, like you're not focusing on being in the trenches. You're, you're not like, oh, it's worse. raining, I hate my life. Yeah. Like you're just, you're just getting after it. Yeah. You're like, this is a cool moment. I'm able to explore this. And yeah. I'm, I am doing something right now that. 95% of the population isn't doing right Yeah, now. and I mean, we can relate that to this podcast yeah. or our career choices. Yeah. So, and, and with me, like, going off on another tangent for a second, um, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with my life anymore. Yeah. I have I have no clue what uh, field I'm going to go into, you know? And I, I've been so adamant about being a physical therapist for the past three years yeah. you know, because of my back injury, and I met a great physical therapist who I call family now. Mm-hmm. Um, but this past summer, you know, I had a few, a few things happen where I realized that I was really excited by other things, and I wanted to... I wanted to pursue those things too, but then I realized like I've got to pick one. Develop your passion. And yeah, and I've got to develop my passion. But the scariest thing about that is now I'm unsure. Yeah. And so I, I'm not I'm not trying to be a hypocrite or anything like this. So I'm also I'm scared of taking the steps towards finding out what yeah. career I want because it's horrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's like I'm on my own in, I would say now, but with healthcare I'd say within like three to four years I'm yeah. on my own. Yeah. And th- and that's yeah. a, just a scary thought. Yeah. Um, I, I personally like. I like I have been so blessed with the opportunities that I've been presented like don't get me wrong like whenever for example like a little story with how I got with Sornex uh, I sent like I I, like, I told you this it was like 26 emails or something like yeah. that like it was something ridiculous like it was it was stupid borderline you, creepy Yeah it was it was borderline <laughs> like who is this stalker dude right yeah. my marketing team still talks about it They're like yeah Joshua Dobby he all he always messages me and uh, he 
we talk and he's like, dude, yeah, you were so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that was so annoying. But guess what? You're there now. I'm there now. Yeah. Right. Persistency and and being able to understand like what persistency means and like truly going after and getting it. And I've always loved lifting. I've loved lifting since the day I was born. Like I, I like ever since I picked up a barbell, I fell in love with it. Like I just for something, it's it's where I can have peace. And like I'm I'm, I'm in my zen. Some people do it from meditating. Some people do it from yoga. I pick up things and put them down. Yeah. That's just like where I'm in zen for some reason. Is that for everybody? Absolutely not. I really <laughs> like, hope not. Yeah. like really hope not. Like absolutely. Jack Taylor, awesome dude. Edits my podcast and stuff like that. Jack's into lifting. But do I expect Jack to be out there pulling 500 pounds on a deadlift? Absolutely not. No. Like, that, that's just not how it goes, right? I think, I think the way to connect those two, though, is that you guys love the rush. Of, yeah. And I don't even want to call it instinctual, but you guys, what you what you feel a physical and emotional connection to, you're pulled towards yep. like a charge. Yep. And you guys just go for it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're good or not. I don't, that's and that's something, that's something I, I've just learned to realize, especially in college. Whenever I take the external factors and what everybody else has to view of me, like whenever I take that out of the equation and, you know, uh, for example, like I, I talked about this in one of my other podcasts, one of my best friends, I had, I came to my friends with this idea and I was like, Hey guys, I have this idea about starting a podcast community, mm-hmm. right? I had this idea of starting this community where we could talk about things that, like, you wouldn't talk Anything. about this. No. Like, you'd, like, no, you wouldn't. Very few people I would. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. we, like, we wouldn't have this conversation. I want to develop that. I want to create that. Yeah. And now something that's so awesome and so cool about it is I started there, and I had this idea, and I told him about it. And I was like, hey, man, um, how, like, what do you guys think about this? And he responded, and he said, it's worth a shot. It's always worth a shot. One, it's worth a shot. But two, I was somewhat kind of offended by that answer. Yeah. Like, I, I really was. Nothing about me is just taking a shot. You probably felt like he was like, yeah, like. Go keep, for it. Like, whatever. Busy yeah, and no, yeah. I, nothing about me is I'm just going to take a stab at it. Oh, yeah. If I'm doing something, it's going to be an integral part of my life. Like, who I am. Something that's been really funny ever since I've been on campus. The amount of people that just, if they haven't seen me over the summer, they'd yeah. be like, oh my gosh, I heard about your podcast. Like, I heard about the, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I'm like, oh, cool. It's like reaching people and it's doing things, but am I impacting them? Yeah. Is this truly impacting them? Whenever I hear somebody say like, oh, I haven't listened to your podcast, but I like, I really want to. I'm like, that's awesome. But like, do it. You're, but you just listening isn't what yeah. I'm looking for. Like, I truly want you to take something out of it that creates something of value to yourself. Yeah. You know, if, if that makes sense, like allowing yourself to truly grow from somebody else just having a conversation. And that's an idea with this podcast. Before we go off on another tangent, <laughs> I want you to take, I want you to talk about um, your your run. I mean, I like, that's a huge part of this podcast oh, today. Yeah. Let's well, talk about it. So like the, so, way I, the way I got, the way I got Brett to allow me to come on here was I allow told you him, yeah, nah, this guy the big <laughs> key. no i um so it was back so like i said i love to challenge myself and um i really really enjoy to do things that are really really uncomfortable absolutely um and i've started to move that into other spheres but i love doing it physically as well and so in the years past you know i, I did the weight loss thing i went from 261 to 176 in 12 months <laughs> i did a marathon with no training That's i ran a half iron man yeah, about 80, 86 or something That's like that. That's crazy. Yeah, 
Yeah, but so I love doing those things, That's and it insane. takes a lot of time. It yeah. takes a lot of oh, time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but absolutely. the the thing that I've realized every single time is you have to be locked in for the entire duration. Tunnel vision. And it was back back in this past May. I was kind of thinking, I was like, you know, like I'm not really working towards anything right now. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, and of course, everyone's heard about David Goggins and absolutely those, those Cameron Haynes, yeah, Jocko, all those guys. They know yeah. about them now, and they've they've really opened up the uh, the ultra running and the ultra athletic uh, sphere mm-hmm. to the general public. And I've been watching some of his videos back in the past year, not too much back in May, but I kind of thought, like, you know, like, what if I could do like an ultra marathon? I don't know. Why not? And, and I googled it, and it was like, I was like, oh, there's one August 31st, four hours away. And I was like, all right. And I signed up for the 30-miler. I was like, all right, like, it's 30 miles. I've already done 26.2, I think. It was an unofficial, and I used Matt my run. So, like, I don't know if it was Whatever. Actually. You still ran a long time. I ran time. for, I ran <laughs> you for ran a hours, while. Yeah. I ran yeah. for a while. I was like, you know, like, I could probably train for this. I, I like running. I'm already down the good weight to do it. My knees can take it. Uh, I was like, screw it. Let's go for it. Yeah, let's and, do it. And um, I started training a little bit for it. I signed up for the race, you know, the 30-miler. And um, – I remember I went to I wanted to practice running on trails because trail running is a lot different than road running. It's a lot it's easier on your knees, but it's harder on your ankles and your quads. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot steeper hills. There's a lot more technical downhills and a lot I'd say more dangerous uphills as well. Sometimes you're climbing at some points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was in Boone with my buddy, uh, my brother Nathan actually lives in Boone, North Carolina, and his one of his best friends from home. He's now I think he's in Kuwait now on deployment, uh, but he was training to do he wanted to be an uh, infantry med or infantry. Yeah, infantry medic. And we went on, like, this really easy 11, 12-mile run, you know, and uh, he was giving me some weird kind of granola tips, like, mm-hmm. downhills are free energy, man. Like, just ride the wave. And I was like, this guy's in the military. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, this guy's telling me. <laughs> this guy this. seems like he's from Cheech and Chong. Dude, yeah. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> but, but I had a great time. I didn't feel tired at all the whole run. I, I mean, it was, you know, I say only 12 miles, but, like, it was – I looked at it, I was like, dang, we were only out for two hours, man. Like, I want to go do more. I was yeah. like, I want to go do more. Like, the views are beautiful. The air feels great. I feel at home out here. You feel awesome. Man. Yeah, and I and I kind of got back to Nathan's place, and I was like, I could do that 30-miler easy. I was like, I want to see if I can up it to 20 next week. So I emailed the race director of the race, Kevin Townsend, who runs the Iron Mountain Trail Run. And um, I told him, I was like, hey, so I just did this 12-miler last week. I'm going to do this 20-miler this weekend. If it goes really well, can you bump me up to the 50? And he kind of emailed me back, and he was like, yeah, let me know how it goes. So I ran that 20 that next weekend. I did it in three and a half hours. Like, I wasn't trying to kill it on the pace. No, like, right. My pacing isn't great, but I hit the distance, and I felt like a champ. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, if I had more nutrition, I could have run as long as I could have. So I emailed Kevin, and I asked him, I was like, okay, like, 20 was easy. Like, 20, it wasn't easy, but I was like, 20 is doable. 30 is going to be doable. I don't want doable. And he emailed me back. He was like, well, if you want to do the 30-miler race – and finish and have a fun day, go ahead and do it. But if you really want to challenge yourself and you want to try to do something that's hard, I suggest you up to the 50. So this guy was calling me out. Yeah, he was saying, he was like, ah, let's see if this guy's actually real like, or not. Like, let's, yeah, let's, see if, yeah, let's see if this guy's real or not. We'll, we'll see if he can actually do it. He was like, it. he's 21, he's got great knees, like he can do whatever he wants. Right. And I was like, all right, screw it, like I'll do the 50. And I – I, I signed up for that 50, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, God, what did I give myself? <laughs> yeah, right. That's like, 50 miles, I was like, man. I did this again, bro. That's 50 miles. Well, this is how I looked at it. So the race was only 50 bucks to register. Okay. 
So I was like, dollar per mile, like, going to get my money's worth. Screw it. Like, let's, yeah. yeah, I was like, let's do it. Dollar per mile. Yeah. And um, so going back to the research part, I started thinking, like, oh, I don't know how to train for this. <laughs> so I, I looked at it, and I was like, okay, like, 200 miles a month is probably really good to go for. Yeah. Uh, 50 miles a week averages about 6.66 a day. Mm-hmm. Great number to have. Yeah. And <laughs> goodness. And so I started training for it, and I was, I was hitting 50-mile weeks for about two and a half. I was doing it for two weeks, and then that third week – um, my knees, like the tendons in my knees were just killing me. Uh, my, my PCL was tight. Um, not my MCL, but the tendons on the outside of my knees were my IT band where your IT your band LCL. Yeah, your LCL was killing me. Um, I was like, I'm going to injure myself training for this thing. Mm-hmm. So I had to take a step back and be like, okay, so I'm three weeks in. This race is in a month and a half, mind you. So I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle of June right now. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Because I can't train like heavy volume like all these other little itty-bitty 130-pound runners i was 187 190 pounds at the time. right no yeah trust and me i know what it's like carrying yeah. weight running it's, yeah it sucks it sucks and i was like i was also lifting full-time or full-time i was lifting six days a week and i th- thought about it and i was like you know like the reason that makes ultra marathon so difficult is when you're fatigued it's not the yep. first 20 miles it's the last 30 40 70 whatever um so i thought okay like let's try working out when i'm in full stress so what I would do is I would do a full lift with no carbs that whole day, and I would run six to ten miles on keto, just trying. And I would only drink thirty grams of carbs during the run just to keep myself working. And that was hard. Holy shit! That was hard. Yeah, Doing that's that, hard. You yeah. have no, you have no energy to burn. I had no energy to burn, but you have. To, I had to keep going. Like there was one point where my body was just expelling like salt because I had no glycogen to hold it in. Yeah. So my, I looked down at my legs, and it's just white. My legs were just white like snow, and. I looked and I, I was feeling this and I was like, you know, like I'm not putting in tons of miles. I'm only I was only running like two or three days a week. Yeah. Um, but I was doing the stair climber to get my quads ready for the steep uphills. I was doing the bike to get my legs even more ready. But mm-hmm. I was only doing 45 to an hour a day, and I was going to be running for 12 hours. Like I told people my training. Like I purposely did this as a minimalist training program so I could see like, okay, like what can my mind do when I'm in those situations? Yep. And I did this and everyone was like, you're an idiot. It was like, you're so stupid. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. And um, I definitely felt like an idiot when I got to Damascus. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like someone who was severely undertrained for it, but I also wasn't. Because I had been through all those things before. I had been through the weight loss. I had done the marathon yeah. training. I, had, I did the half Ironman without any nutrition knowledge when my quads crimped up so bad I couldn't walk for two miles. That's incredible. And I had all that knowledge with me. I was like, you know, like I can get through this race. I can finish this race on time if – I just stay smart. And it's it's hard to do that because nowadays everyone thinks like you just have to go in and go into quote grind mode and just grit through it. But if you ever take a step back and take a third person view of what you're doing and think, okay, am I doing the right thing right here? Am I being a good person even outside of exercise? Yeah. Am I somebody that people can rely on? That you need was to look at. It. I love that you just said <laughs> that. It's got me so pumped. That's something that I was going to bring up and it's and especially too with working out if you can accomplish that, somebody can rely on you for whatever you say. Yeah. Because if you're saying, hey, I'm about to run 50 miles, and you do it, people look at that guy and they're like, damn, I respect the hell out of that guy. It was so hard meeting with you on Friday before the race because yeah. I was like, this guy, like this guy's looking at me like I've already run 60 miles. I'm like, I haven't done shit yet. Right. I but was like, I, I was scared. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, now the pressure's on. I text my friend. I was like, all right, pressure's on now. Got to. Got to do this for real. Let's that's do when this I started thing. freaking out. Yeah, let's when do this thing. When the pressure gets on, that's when I started let's freaking start, out. And, and I'm happy that, like, you know, th- 
this can offer as kind of somewhat of a motivator yeah. where it's like, well, shoot, I'm about to go talk about it on what, Friday today. Yeah. I'm about to go talk about it next Friday. Got to nut up or shut up. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, it's true. Let me ask you. You talked about um, Les Brown, Live Your Dreams. Oh, yeah. Love that guy. That's tell me about that. Like, tell me about what what motivating factor that was for you. So, and who? Gonna, and I'll give a little depiction of who Les Brown is. Yeah. Too, so, so Les Brown is. I I don't want to call him an original. Uh, he is an original, but he's not the original motivational speaker. You know, there there's been uh, uh what's his name? Tony Robbins. So, yeah, Tony Robbins. Uh, Billy Graham. I guess Joel Osteen's also considered. Dude, Doctor Phil's technically. A Doc, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so Les Brown's one of those guys. Um, but putting him into that group is kind of, I'd say, insulting towards him. So mm-hmm. he, I mean, he lived with it. Uh, I've read his book. Uh, it was the first book that I read. I was at a really deep point in my sophomore year of college, and I read his book, and it's not like it changed my life or anything. Mm-hmm. But what it did was it kind of recalibrated my mindset into where, like, okay, like, yeah, things aren't great. Um, he definitely had it a lot worse than me. Right. No doubt. But that doesn't mean that I can do better for myself with things that I have. That doesn't like uh, that's something I've, I I see a lot of people doing. It's like they compare themselves, like they compare their struggles to somebody else's struggles, and, th- and that's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's something that I really have tried to do with this podcast, where yeah. it's like I bring a bunch of different people on that have different stories, right? Not saying ones like there are certain situations that are worse than others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's human life. That's human nature. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. But the integral parts and helping people understand that they are not alone with that struggle. Mm -hmm. They're not alone with the struggle of weight loss. Antonio Dawkins, I brought on my second episode. They're not alone with the struggle of being homeless. Yeah. Gray Henson in the military. They're not alone with being in the military and having that struggle. They're having to get deployed three weeks after being told, you know. Exactly. Like, like here's a letter. All right, you're going. It's a completely different thing. Like, it's, it's a whole different other sector of, like, that person, what they're having to deal with, right? And I, that's the beautiful thing about what we're doing here is because we can bring on so many different people with so many different mindsets, right? And something about you that I find just so interesting and I love, and like I, I'm very picky about who I bring on this podcast because I'm this is my baby, and so uh, so uh, something I think that's just so interesting about you is that like th- there like there was an immediate connection, yeah. like like and we talked about this earlier. There was immediate connection of what you thought failure was. And we always talk about that. We always say that, you know, failure is, especially within this community, we view it as failure is a benchmark. Mm -hmm. And failure is something that you can set as a standard for what you want to achieve, rather than looking at it and having this self-defining limitation on yourself to where you're saying, I can't do that, Mm -hmm. right? Put that failure as, okay, maybe right now, like with my training style, right? I probably could not go run 50 miles in i don't know your time i probably couldn't i probably couldn't and i can't deadlift 600 pounds. but but like but and that, that that's exactly yeah. but like but in the future if you were training for that would you say that that oh, you give me two years yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> like you set years. it as a benchmark and you realize that there is a, a realistic process to obtaining that goal give right two years in a sumo stance and i that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get some chalk in your hands. So maybe, <laughs> maybe some wrist wraps, but not the overkind. Just the, just the wrap. I won't cheat too much. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, you can do it. Yeah. You absolutely can. Set that failure as a benchmark if that's what you are looking to achieve. And that's the coolest part about it all is bringing people like yourself on to really, truly, and help people understand that. What's really funny, um, 
is this past summer, I'll say, like, going with the I don't know what I'm doing with my life anymore thing. I didn't have a big internship this past summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they fell through, and I ended up being a nanny. And I was – and I thought I thought so low of myself at one point. But I was like, you know, the money's good, and this family's really nice. Let's just see – Leverage that. Let's just see – not even leverage. I wanted to learn. Yeah. I, I wanted to – I wanted to be – I wanted to know, like, okay, so normally when you have a nanny, you're fairly well off. I was like, why are they well off? And I started talking to the dad and the mom. And the mom started the company when she was 18 years old. And she ended up dropping out of college, I believe. Or she may have a bachelor's degree to pursue that. And she worked with big names. She worked with, uh, I believe, Aerosmith. She worked with, oh, man, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. She worked with tons of big bands as their manager for a certain period of time. And she never had a col- She never had like a full like PhD education or anything. Right. Yeah. Like, nothing. Nothing to where she would be credited. Right. That's what I was wired to think. And I talked to the dad about this too. And and he just has an undergraduate degree. He went to school in Australia. He has an electrical engineering degree. He taught himself how to code. He taught himself how to build systems. Uh, he's a genius. You know, he's a very very right. smart guy. And I was talking to him about his business successes. You know, he he's developed products and sold them to huge companies and and made very very well. Um, done very very well because of it and i asked him i was like you know like how many times did you fail before it worked and he looked at me and he goes failure is not an option that's all he said and mm. i was just like wow i just feel like a total <laughs> loser right now <laughs> like, i can't believe i asked that question right no and, and that's such a cool mindset because the way like and th- i think that's the way he thinks it's like failure is yeah. not an option it's a closed loop that's just how he thinks that's just a, it's just it it's like oh i fail cool i'm going back to it like I'm, I'm going right back to it. Like, it's like wh- oh, it didn't work. It's fine. Like, I'm not Ad- overdome, overcome and adapt. Like yeah. that, that's something you hear so much in sports. It's like overcome and adapt to a situation, especially adversity. Yeah. Same thing in life. Overcome and adapt to that situation. What, what, whatever you know. Like maybe some things didn't work out the way you wanted them mm-hmm. to. That's life, dude. <laughs> like, you gotta like, keep like, rolling with. You got to keep rolling with yeah. it. So, you, whenever we had this discussion you talked about plato and you talked about the four forms of true self right yeah and you you talked about the ideal self and how that affected you mm-hmm. what what elaborate on that a little bit well i'm no professor man but I'll, I'll try my best i took i took this philosophy class in high school and it really got me interested um i read stoicism every once in a while i'm no i'm no guru yeah. absolutely not i love um, sto- yeah. but I'll, I'll give a shot at it so, same i'm no way am i guru. so so the fourth form is considered an ideal uh y- the ideal of every single individual thing the ideal of a circle the ideal of a situation the ideal of what to be of, of words you know of, vo- of vocab like yeah. the word justice the word love you know pretty pretty big buzzwords and you can never it'll it's never possible to achieve that ideal you know you can never be quote perfect you'll, you'll never have that absolutely um and if you do have it then that's not perfect yeah and so with, with me and, and talking about that with you, I always, in every aspect of my life, when I fail at them very often for hopefully short periods of time, and eventually I'll get there, Yeah. Um, I always say, all right, this is the best I can do. Let's do that. Let's get there. Let's do everything that I absolutely can to get there. And I always, always come up short to what I want to do. You know, I, I have this every single semester is like 4.0. Like absolutely yeah. no no excuses. I've only gotten one, and it was my freshman year. And but I set that high bar. I still get a great. I still get great grades. I still work my absolute tail off. But you're not satisfied. I'm never satisfied. No, right. I'm never satisfied with that. And I think the reason why I brought that up with you was, um, you've got to set these bars for yourself. You can't just say, okay, like once I hit this, I'll be okay. You can never get comfortable with it because that's when you'll get taken advantage of. Absolutely. Not even by other people. You'll get taken advantage of by the system. 
You'll get taken advantage of by the school. You'll get taken advantage of by anything. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much what I don't go too into depth on that um, internally with the four forms because I'll confuse myself. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it's the intricate for myself. I just I, yeah. I, I thought it was cool how you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. like I oh, I, I, lo- love, I love Plato. I love Socrates. The Republic's a great book. Yeah. I've read parts of it. I haven't read the whole thing all the way through, um, but it's it really helped me realize like you can't say that there isn't there isn't something that everyone wants. Yeah whether or not we can put our hand on it or we can put our finger on it we all want the same thing but only some of us are actually going to go for it yep that's kind of how you know, i feel like you know it's so cool um i had a conversation and there's a guy so um one of my jobs at sornex so yeah. i go and help install weight rooms mm-hmm. so um there's another guy named brett his name brett sanders Perfect. Uh, uh, yeah right <laughs> brett and brett going on these installs right it's really funny it gets a little confusing when we're talking to the coaches because yeah. they're brett and we both look over um <laughs> And we were talking in the car, and we were talking about um, he's he's a really big Christian, and we were talking about Christianity, and I, I love conversations like that. And I pitched him this idea really early on. This was pretty early on in the process of this whole thing, and I was talking with him about it, and I was like, I have a question for you, and like, and, you, and he's a very sophisticated dude, yeah. like he's super with it. He came here, loved the guy, think the world of him. I asked him, I said, Brett. What do you think humans' interpretation, like, for example, whenever we have this perfect ideal life, this perfect ideal world, especially to nowadays, right, especially on social media, mm-hmm. we have this perfect idea of, of this world. How do we have this idea when we've never seen it? Yeah. Like, if you truly break that down and say, like, how do we have this idea of this perfect world whenever we've never been in it? Yeah. It's impossible to have. And it's impossible to have, but we have this sophisticated idea, and we have no idea and no way of thinking way to orchestrate that, right? But we're just like, oh, we want this perfect world. We want these perfect things. And stoicism really kind of breaks that down yeah. and makes it more realistic, mm-hmm. makes it more into human processes. It's, it's tough to follow that, too, because I did some more research on stoicism, and uh, I heard that there was some nihilism involved. Mm-hmm. Do you know what nihilism yeah, is? Nihilism's yeah, nihilism's like the it's the impending like it's the impending nothing thought matters. of death. Yeah, it's the, it's the impending thought of yeah, death. Like yeah. that all this means nothing. Yeah, so it's a really fine line. It's it's not my religion or anything of right. that sort, stoicism itself, but it's definitely a great way to kind of check yourself. Be like, okay, like am I am I level headed? Am, yeah. am I am I reaching for what I deserve to reach for? You know, yeah. is this is this what I actually want? Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, that's awesome though. It, it's a cool way of thinking, right? Yeah. Because like we as humans, it's like we have this fixated idea of like what we think a perfect world is. But how do we have that depiction if we've never seen it? Yeah. I mean, truly, like truly, like how do we have that depiction if we've never seen it? Does it make sense? I think stoicism really breaks it down. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not big on nihilism because I am a Christian. Yeah. I truly believe there's a means to an end. I don't what think I'm, nihilism can be. I don't think it can be applied. Um, and this might be just my just be my ignorance but it can't be applied to somebody who wants uh to have intrinsic motivation and yeah. success yeah i don't think you can have nihilism i don't think so either. successful in your own eyes phil man i dude this has been incredible um uh, we've hit on so much this episode and i think it truly has a big impact on what we can do to a variety of people here at USC, right? Just us having this conversation, both being seniors, both being students, we both have these weight loss journeys. Mm-hmm. I showed you that picture and I yeah, was 260, yeah. right? It's crazy. Cause I think, th- and You're I think chunky, that was, man. don't yeah. dude. Yeah. I was chunky. I tell you, what, I can lift a brick house, but like, I just was chunky. Yeah. Wasn't happy with who I was. Yeah. 
um, I was eating whatever and lifting because that was like my escape. And like I would go. That's what you were used to. And I would go and lift. And I was it was yeah right. It was my escape. And I was just like, and I was so like I didn't care what I looked like. I had a big old beard. I had hair down to my freaking shoulder. Like looked ridiculous. And I think it's so cool that we both had this journey of truly finding what it means to have that motivation in order to better ourselves, like, while we're exercising or while we're trying to better ourselves and then going forward from there. Yeah. It's a continuous uh, – It is. I'd say it's continuous. Because, you know, in like I said, uh, two years ago I had an issue. Uh, I had trouble. You know, I read a few books, and they really helped me out. But, you know, this past year I had the same thing. You know, I, the books wouldn't help, so it's like, I, I gotta go to counseling for it. And I gotta figure it out myself. Yeah, I gotta figure it out, and I gotta have somebody help me process it. And I, I still go to counseling to this day, and yep. people are really, really, really um, helpful with that. Awesome. And I think I think it's a great way to even, even if you don't think you're sick, because sick is the wrong word. Yeah. I wouldn't say sick is the right word no. at all. Um, but if you think you need it, then go for it, man. It, all they can do is help. Yeah. Like that, like it's never going to negatively affect yourself in order to go get help. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I stress a lot. Um, and as, as we kind of wrap up this episode, yeah. uh, something I want to stress a lot too, is that, um, you know, I talked about this in the last episode. Um, and now that it's kind of came out and it's kind of came to fruition. And I think me and you both can talk about this, especially too, because whenever, whenever you are that heavy and you go on that weight loss journey, it's a dark time. It's a really dark time. Yeah. It, it really is. It's because you're, you're making a lifestyle choice that not everybody else is doing, and you're having to live a certain way, and you're having to do certain things because you're bettering yourself. You're and and, and you, you have this self-doubt all the yeah. time. You're like, is this the right thing to do? Am I doing the right thing? Am I being a right person? Something that's so big on me and something that I've realized as of late that's so important, um, especially with a member of SAE passing away, yeah, um, really it's horrible, man. Um, something that's so crucial, dude, is reaching out. Like allowing your ego, like something for me is that like, I, I, I never want to be an egotistical person where I can't ask for help. I, I just, I love getting help from other people because somebody knows an answer. I don't, mm-hmm. right. I think as men, especially, we need to allow ourselves to truly separate our, our egos. And if you need help, reach out for help. Mm-hmm. Um, because we live in such a society on social media nowadays and, that is so focused on being the macho man, being the Dan Blazarian, having all the women around him. Being shoot. an alpha, being a stoic. Being, yeah. Those two things, too. It's, and and yeah. there's this, it's, it's hard to talk about. There just needs to be this transparency, especially in men. Especially in men. I mean, take it, for me, it was the hardest thing was actually signing up. Just like going to the gym, yeah. getting in your car. Hardest thing was signing up for the day. Putting your ego. Hard your thing, ego. saying like, okay, like, I need help. I'm not perfect. I can't be the one that everyone relies on. Yep. Even though that may be what you are for 23 hours a day, if that one hour is not working, do it, man. Take fix whatever it. money you need. Not even – I wouldn't say fix it. Just try and – just try. And work it. Just try. Yeah. I mean, eventually it will fix itself. As yeah. long as you try, it will fix yeah. itself. Before we get off, do you have anything that you want to start uh, that you want to say before we kind of wrap up today's episode? Um, I would say that when I finished the 50 miler, I did it in 11 hours, 51 minutes, 32 seconds. I made the cutoff to qualify for the grindstone 100. That's awesome, dude. Um, but I'm saying that not for me. I'm saying that for my buddy Fitz. I met this guy Fitz, uh, Fitzgerald Brown on the race. He actually paced with me for 20 miles. Uh, he didn't tell me who he was for the first five. He was a quiet quiet guy. Um, but he told me, he said, you know, I've done two 50 milers and I failed both of them. And 
he said, I don't know if I'm going to finish this one. And I realized, like, okay, like, I got to make sure Fitz finishes. We're all human. I can't imagine being in his position. And Fitzgerald Brown, man, he's, I hope he hears this. I'll send this to him. Uh, he signed up for the race right after he finished it. He's doing the 100 miler. That's in awesome. October. Uh, yeah, I mean, God bless him. That guy's going to go through hurt that I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if, if somebody comes to you and tells you, like, hey, I haven't done this before, I need help with this. That's a help. man right there. Yeah. That, is, that, is, that is a dude that you want on your side. Yeah, yeah. I respect the hell out of him. I'd just so anybody that'd come up to me in a race, I haven't yeah. met him before, and he says that to you? Yeah. Are you serious? He that ended up beating me by 10 minutes. <laughs> dude, <laughs> so. that's kick ass, yeah. dude. Well, man, I, Phil, it's been so awesome, dude. Yeah. Thank I mean, you this so isn't the last time we're going to talk. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And and I just thank you so much for doing this for our community. I think building this and doing something like this is so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so awesome. Anytime, bro. So, guys, as we wrap up episode nine, um, we, we want to look at something that's just super easy to say and super easy to talk about. Phil doesn't just talk the talk. That's a lot of nowadays. Everybody talks the talk. Walk the walk. Do the thing. Go out and achieve that. Why, don't, why not? Like, what is, what, what is stopping you? Is your couch stopping you? Okay. Get up off that couch. There shouldn't be, shouldn't be an option to it. If you have a goal or if you have a dream or you have an idea to achieve, get up and go accomplish it. it, it it's that simple. It, it really is. And if you fail, try and try again. Uh, overcome and adapt like we said just like phil was talking about with um his what happened with his internship this summer his internship didn't work out had to figure out the nanny okay what he wanted to do is gain knowledge research what did my what did the guy a nanny for what what is he doing to be successful what is wh what has he done in the future in order to lead to something that's been great how can i become great think of things in that way always be working to take away your ego and build upon yourself as human guys thank you so much for listening to today's episode um it, it was super impactful yeah and um going forward guys um i just you know it, it's so crucial for all of us to truly understand what, what what we are able to do as humans and the way we are able to do it um so at the end of each episode i read our mission statement and our mission statement is as follows this group is designed to be an open, constant communication between members through issues that arise in everyday life. Whether it be fitness goals, personal goals, or human development, this blog is designed to uplift all those involved. Dolcius X Asperis. Thank you guys so much. Struggle to Sovereignty is powered by Garnet Media Group.